Welcome to The Humanist Report. I'm Mike Figueredo. Today's episode is brought to you by audibletrial.com slash humanistreport. When you sign up for a one-month free trial of Audible, you'll get a free audiobook of your choice, and they have thousands and thousands of titles to choose from, such as Game of Thrones, as well as Bernie Sanders' book. And whenever you do this, uh, Audible will give The Humanist Report 15 bucks for referring you, so this greatly helps out the show. So feel free to check them out. They're a great service. On today's episode, we will be discussing more presidential news. Uh, Lawrence Lessig has entered the race officially. And also, a new poll in Iowa shows that Bernie Sanders has taken the lead over Hillary Clinton. Now, also on the show, some religious issues. I'll be reviewing the Kim Davis case and give you guys an update. As well as a Muslim flight attendant who refused to serve alcohol to passengers. And as a result, she was suspended. So I'll give you my take on that as well. So stay tuned. It's going to be a fantastic episode. A new poll from Quinnipiac University shows that Bernie Sanders is now leading Hillary Clinton in Iowa. According to this poll, Bernie is polling at 41 points and Hillary is now polling at 40 points. So he's only leading by one point. Um, but this is among 832 likely Iowa Democratic Caucus participants. So now just two months ago, uh, Quinnipiac found that Bernie Sanders was only polling at 33%, whereas Hillary Clinton was polling at uh, 52%. So Bernie Sanders was 21 points behind Clinton just a couple of months ago. So that just really does speak to the fact that he's really been able to galvanize the public. So when it comes to the other presidential candidates within the Democratic Party, Vice President Joe Biden is currently polling at 12 percentage points. Former Governor of Maryland Martin O'Malley is polling at 3 percentage points. Uh, former Virginia Senator Jim Webb is at 1% and Lincoln Chafee is at less than 1% currently. Uh, now, they did not include uh, Lawrence Lessig, who just joined the presidential race officially on Wednesday. So we'll see if uh, he kind of changes up the poll a little bit when you control for him uh, at the next Quinnipiac poll. So now, as for trustworthiness, only 4% of participants distrust Bernie Sanders, whereas 30% distrust Hillary Clinton. So this is definitely a problem among Iowa voters, and Clinton needs to somehow do anything to regain their trust. So now when you control for sex, you get really interesting results. So Sanders leads Clinton 49 to 28% among men, uh, but Hillary Clinton leads uh, Sanders when it comes to women uh, 49 to 35. So really, really interesting results. Uh, now, before you get too excited about these results, nonetheless, um, you have to understand that this may be an outlier. And uh, seeing that they're only one percentage point apart, well, this is well within the margin of error, which for this poll, it's plus or minus 3.4 percentage points. But the methodology does seem reliable. So they conducted interviews in person uh, via landlines and also cell phones. So that is the way you want to do it. You want to preferably not just gauge uh, voter support on landlines because then you're only getting older people because they are the ones who statistically are more likely to have landlines. So this seems as though uh, the sample is representative of the general public with respect to Iowa. So does this poll signal a new trend? Well, we can't tell yet. I think potentially this will be the case, but I mean, individual polls are not too reliable. So you really have to take them with a grain of salt and wait until you can look at the aggregate result. So once one or another poll, preferably several more polls show that Bernie Sanders is leading Hillary Clinton in Iowa, then we can actually get super excited. But I mean, for now, this is a good sign, but we have to take it with a grain of salt because it's just one poll.
Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Lessig has announced that he is officially running for president. Take a look. I think I'm running to get people to acknowledge the elephant in the room, right? We have to recognize we have a government that does not work. The stalemate partisan platform of American politics in Washington right now doesn't work. And we have to find a way to elevate the debate, to focus on the changes that would actually get us a government that could work again, that is not captured by the tiniest fraction of the 1% who fund campaigns and make it impossible for our government so to do anything. So that's campaign finance reform, voting rights reform? And also dealing with a crazy way we have political gerrymandering where politicians pick the voters rather than the voters pick the politicians. So now Larry Lissig was only going to run if he could reach a one-month fundraising goal of $1 million. Now obviously he did reach that. So now this campaign is very unorthodox. Now here are the details. So first and foremost, Larry Lissig would run as the country's first ever referendum candidate. Now, what this means is that he would only serve as president only as long as it takes to pass the Citizens Equality Act of 2017. I'll get to that in a minute. Lessig would use that mandate to get Congress to pass the Citizens Equality Act. Now, once this package is passed, Larry Lessig would step down and the vice president would become president. So in short, what the Citizens Equality Act of 2017 is, is uh, it guarantees the freedom to vote, ends partisan gerrymandering, and funds campaigns in a way that would give us a Congress free to lead. Now, Vox explains, his idea is that focusing the presidential race on just one issue would essentially turn it into a referendum on his proposed reform bill. Members of Congress would be forced to take a position on it, and if he wins, it will make it unmistakably clear to them that the public has endorsed his reforms, he thinks. That's why Lissig is unsatisfied with the campaign of Bernie Sanders, another outsider candidate who supports major campaign finance reform. He thinks Sanders is focusing on too many different issues, which will make it easy for Congress to block his proposals once he's in office. Now, full disclosure, I really like Larry Lissig. Uh, I think that by doing this, he's going to, in effect, force all of the Democratic candidates to take a really strong stand uh, when it comes to what they would do uh, to actually get campaign finance reform. Um, because Bernie Sanders is in favor of publicly funded elections, much like Larry Lessig, but the problem is that he hasn't actually proposed a really strong solution to get that uh, goal passed. He has stated that uh, he would only appoint Supreme Court justices that would overturn Citizens United, but that's not enough. What really needs to be done is you need a really strong plan to actually get publicly funded elections. So now Lawrence's campaign puts pressure on Sanders and even Clinton to actually come up with a real plan, uh, be it a bill or a constitutional amendment, to get publicly funded elections and eliminate money in politics. So now, I do think that there is a fatal error in Larry Lessig's campaign. Let's say hypothetically that he actually does get Congress to somehow, to miraculously pass the Citizens Equality Act of 2017. Well, the problem is that it could be struck down by the Supreme Court. Now, this is a likely scenario because if you think that one of the conservative Supreme Court justices would step down before this legislation gets struck down, you're horribly mistaken. So unless he tries to pass a constitutional amendment, it will most likely be challenged almost immediately and ultimately struck down by the Supreme Court based on previous precedent from cases such as McCutcheon, Citizens United, Bucky v. Vallejo. Now furthermore, although I like the idea of having more candidates, uh, 
Lawrence Lessig will be taking away votes directly from Bernie Sanders, so you have to take that into consideration as well. So what can Larry Lessig do to convince me, a Bernie Sanders supporter, to jump ship? Well, it's actually pretty easy because I really like Larry Lessig. What you got to do is, one, drop the referendum idea because I think that it's so unorthodox that voters probably won't take well to it. Uh, and two, propose an actual constitutional amendment, not a bill, because if you propose a bill, you can get it passed, and then it could be struck down, and all that was for nothing. I want actual campaign finance reform that's going to stick, and the best way to do that is to codify it into the Constitution. The bottom line is that unless you get money out of politics first, well, you're going to have a hell of a time passing any other policy proposal, so he's right to prioritize this issue, but the problem is that if you're basing your entire campaign off of a mandate, well, then go for a constitutional amendment instead of the bill. If you're able to galvanize the public enough um, to get them to vote for you specifically just to get money out of politics, then I'm pretty sure uh, they would be willing to accept a constitutional amendment as opposed to a bill. Now, I think that it seems rather naive to say that Congress and the Supreme Court will be like, oh, well, you know what? We have to listen to President Lessig uh, because he has a mandate. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's ludicrous. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that uh, his view is relatively naive. And I hate to say that because I really like Larry Lessig, but I just don't think it's going to work. And I think that his plan to run as a referendum candidate is so unorthodox that it's not going to, it's not going to bode very well with voters. Kim Davis, the Rowan County clerk in Kentucky, who refused to issue licenses to same-sex couples, was recently released from jail after being held in contempt for violating the Supreme Court. Now, once she was released, she was greeted by her supporters as a heroine. Take a look. I want to put this in perspective for everyone. This woman is an individual who is a government official who is breaking the law for discriminating against individuals on the basis of sexual orientation, which is an immutable characteristic. That doesn't make you a hero. That makes you an asshole. This woman thinks that being gay is a sin, even though she's guilty of adultery because she has been married now four times. Yet, 
she's the martyr. She's the heroine among her followers and fundamentalist Christians. She's their Rosa Parks for denying civil rights to individuals. How you can compare her to MLK, that's insane. She's not the heroine, she is the bad guy in this case. When we look back on the civil rights section of history books under gay rights, what we're going to see is a picture of Kim Davis and her being the bad guy. Just as we saw Bull Connor and we look back on him as a villain for trying to block African American children from going to white schools. Issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples violates your religious beliefs no more than issuing marriage licenses to individuals who were previously divorced, uh, who had sex before marriage, or who are in an interracial relationship. Those are all in the Bible. So... Apparently, she's violating her own religion based on biblical standards. The bottom line is that your religion is not a valid justification for your bigotry. What you want to do is you want to impose your religious beliefs on others and tell them how they can and can't live. So what you want is to live under Christian Sharia law. But I've got news for you. The American people are not with you. 60% of Americans now are in favor of marriage equality. Now, furthermore, we have a secular constitution. So while you do have the right to religious freedom under the First Amendment, that freedom does not give you the right to take away other people's freedoms. So if you say that you don't like homosexuality, well, you don't have the freedom to say, no, you have to stop doing that. No, no, no. That's not the way that it works. Your religious freedom is personal. Okay, that's the way that this works. So as a government official, your job is to enforce the law and you didn't do that. So these people are touting her as a heroine when really she broke the law and is being an asshole to gay people. So if you want to live in a country with Mike Huckabee, where you can treat gay people badly and deny them marriage licenses, then move to Saudi Arabia, because I'm sure you'll be in good company there. Cherie Stanley, a Muslim flight attendant who worked for ExpressJet, was suspended for a year for refusing to serve alcohol to passengers based on her religion. Now, the Huffington Post explains, Stanley approached her superiors in June about how she could avoid serving alcohol to passengers because she recently discovered that Islamic law forbids it. The airline told her to make a deal with fellow flight attendants so they could provide the beverages. The arrangement seemed to be working smoothly until a co-worker complained to the airline in early August that Stanley had been delinquent in her duties because she refused to serve the cocktail. The complaint also noted that Stanley had a book with foreign writings and wore a headdress. So now, uh, since this complaint, ExpressJet has placed her on unpaid leave for a year, uh, and they have allegedly threatened to fire her as well. Now, her attorney, Lena Masri, said that this is unlike the Kim Davis case because Stanley is not a government official. And she explains, what this case comes down to is no one should have to choose between their career and religion. And it's incumbent upon employers to provide a safe environment where employees can feel they can practice their religion freely. So to all of Kim Davis's supporters, how does that cognitive dissonance feel? <laughs> I don't see Mike Huckabee, I don't see uh, Ted Cruz, or anyone rallying behind this woman. Oh wait, I forgot. So when uh, Christians make the religious liberty argument, uh, it only applies to them and not Muslims as well, right? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Now, when it comes to whether or not this woman is right or wrong, she's completely wrong. This isn't a matter of basic rights. If you can't do your job, then you have to find a new job. It's very, very simple. I think that her job uh, did the best that they could to accommodate her. Although it's probably the case that the person who complained uh, was motivated by bigotry and uh, was an Islamophobe because she had an objection to, quote, foreign writings and whatnot, she still had the right to complain uh, because she wasn't doing her job, and that is burdensome. So I think that although I disagree with the Islamophobic objection, uh, 
still, you can complain if your coworker is not doing their job. I think that's very rational because why should you take on more of a burden because of someone else's religion? So if you're a flight attendant, your job isn't defined uh, by you serving alcohol, but certainly that's an integral part of your job. So if you can't perform an integral duty, then why should you uh, be protected in that position? Why shouldn't your employer be allowed to fire you? Your holy book says that you aren't allowed to drink alcohol. That doesn't mean that if you serve alcohol to your passengers that you are therefore complicit in drinking alcohol. That's absurd. So it's your interpretation that uh, is pretty arbitrary uh, to begin with. And furthermore, even if it were the case that your holy book directly said that you can't touch or serve alcohol, well, then you can't work in that position. It's extremely simple. It's really a slippery slope. So by this standard, uh, if a Jewish subway worker uh, had to have someone else make sandwiches for customers every time someone wanted bacon or ham, well, that would be extremely burdensome on both the employer and the other employees. Um, the same as if a Walmart employee refused service to someone anytime they wore clothing of mixed linens. They'd be like, no, you know what? I can't help you because you're wearing two different fabrics. So, hey, Jim, you're going to have to bring these people up. It's the same as if a Mormon Starbucks employee said they could only serve decaffeinated beverages because Mormonism prohibits them from drinking caffeine. It's the same exact thing. That would be ridiculous and extremely, I'd say, overly burdensome to the employee and, again, the employers as well. I used to be a store manager at Blockbuster. Now, do you think that I would be able to refuse to rent movies to customers if I had an objection to R-rated movies? Furthermore, what if we flipped that and um, I said that I didn't want to rent religious-themed movies to customers because of my secular objection? Oh, come on. That would be absurd, right? We can't carve out religious exceptions for individuals that are arbitrary. We have to treat everyone equally, so religious people shouldn't get special privileges just based off of their interpretation of their holy book. Now, if you're still not convinced by those examples, let's actually substitute alcohol with something else. Let's say that uh, she found out that the Quran also prohibits her from serving gay passengers. Then what? It's the same argument that Christians use. So you have to draw the line somewhere, and I think that this is really ridiculous. Her job is not forcing her to drink alcohol, nor is it prohibiting her from practicing her religion. I think that they treated her fairly well. I mean, she was allowed to wear her hijab. Uh, she was offered the accommodation, granted the employees that she worked with would actually help her out. So again, we've got to be objective here, and we've got to say... Mm -mm. This is a little bit too far. So even though this woman is not a government official, this case is very similar to the Kim Davis case. Refusing to serve alcohol doesn't make her a bigot as is the case with Kim Davis because she doesn't want to issue marriage licenses to gay people, which is inherently bigoted. Uh, but it's still insane to say that because your religion says you can't drink alcohol, you're still guilty if you serve alcohol. So the bottom line is that if you can no longer fulfill the duties of your job based on your arbitrary interpretation of your religion, well then you gotta find a new job. President Obama has directed individuals within his administration to accept at least 10,000 Syrian refugees over the next year. Now, the New York Times explains that John Kerry, in a closed meeting, said that the U.S. could take in more than 70 to 100,000. Now, in order for them to come here, they must be subject to criminal and terrorist background vetting procedures, which takes 18 to 24 months. So they've got to speed it up because that's insufficient. Now, in comparison, Germany 
may be taking more than 800,000 Syrian refugees, and even Venezuela, amid nationwide turmoil, will be taking in about 20,000. So thus far, we've only taken in 1,293. That's under 1,300, which is not a lot. Uh, now, last year, we took in 105 only. So there's absolutely no question that we could be doing more, especially when you account for the fact that we're partially culpable for all of the chaos in the Middle East to begin with. So now here's some troubling facts that you need to know about the Syrian refugee crisis. Syrians are now the largest refugee population in the world. 3.8 million Syrians are refugees. That's 22% of their total population. Now, more than 50% of Syrian refugees are children who no longer have a family and they've pretty much lost everything. Um, as you see in the chart, they've lost their schools, their friends, their family. Very, very sad. So now here's what you can do to help. I will put a link in the description box uh, to Mercy Corps who you can donate to um, and help the Syrian refugees and aid them in getting to... Um, different countries. Now, what you can also do is sign a petition that I'll also include below um, stating that you stand in support with Syrian refugees, and this will be sent to Congress so that way they can see that the American people are in support of helping Syrian refugees because these are human beings, and we can't just stand by um, while millions of people are being displaced. We've got to do something. We've got to step up just like Europe, just like Germany has done, and we've got to accept quite a substantial amount I think that we could do at least 500,000, but I would really like to be on par with Germany. Because even though the cost of housing hundreds of thousands of Syrian refugees will be relatively substantial, we've got to do it. We can reallocate funds from defense spending to actually aid things that are morally justifiable, such as this. So we've got to do this. We've got to help out with the Syrian refugee crisis if we still want to tout that we are a beacon of freedom and justice in the world. That's the episode. I want to thank all of my viewers for subscribing, and I also want to welcome all of my new viewers to the channel. And also, I want to thank anyone who is using the Humanist Report Amazon link, because anytime you purchase something from Amazon, uh, we get a referral kickback of 7% on every single purchase. Uh, so it really, really helps out the channel. Um, so thank you all for doing this, if you are in fact doing that. And if you aren't, and you like the show, please consider bookmarking our Amazon link, which is in the description box down below. I'll see you guys next week.